0: Hello, I'm Simon Farrell-Green and I'm the editor of Here magazine and we're delighted to be bringing you this series of wonderful New Zealand houses along with our friends at Altherm Window Systems. Over the next year, we'll be talking with top New Zealand architects about a recent design, learning how it came to be and why the people who live in it love it so much. We'll have beautiful videos, lovely photographs and some great yarns but we're also going to feature a podcast with each project where I get to chat with the architect and hear the story behind the design. It's a chance for us to sit down at length and hear the full story. From the city to the country, from large and luxurious to small and clever, I hope you'll follow along with us as we explore these wonderful New Zealand houses. Creating a home in the mountains often comes with ideas of rural isolation and wide open vistas, but as anyone familiar with the booming central Otago town of Wanaka knows, very often the view comes with neighbours, and it also comes with weather ranging from baking hot in summer, freezing cold in winter, and incessantly windy in spring. Architect Chris Wilson of Wilson and Hill recently designed a house in a new subdivision in Wanaka with just those constraints. Built initially as a holiday home, it'll one day become the owner's full-time home. That's quite a few things to pack into a four-bedroom house. Chris Wilson joins us from Otatahi Christchurch. Hi, Chris. Hi, Simon. Nice to have you. Good to be here. Yeah. So, look, tell us, there's, there's quite a bit going on in this house. But maybe we should sort of pull it all back. And and what what did you think when you first visited the site? What and and what was what was there? Um, well, pretty much the clients that uh, we designed the house for were the first
1: purchasers of um, the site in this new subdivision. So they had, I guess, first pick of the sections as well. So they chose one that was fairly central within the subdivision. So basically it looks straight out to the lake. So the main lake is in front of the site and then there's a large hill um, on the other side of the lake, which is sort of central to the view. And then you've got the mountain vistas each side of that hill. I guess when we got there, it felt pretty much like a blank slate. So you know, there were no neighbors or no reference um, to, you know, to any other buildings in the area. So um, it was pretty much like building in a paddock. But we we sort of soon became aware that the subdivision had been very carefully uh, arranged in such a way that um, each site was this flat bench, and the benches went up the hill and went across the hill um, with a height limit on each bench for the one in front to be at the ground level of the one behind. So basically it guaranteed each uh, purchaser a view um, you know of the lake. So, it felt a bit like a grandstand really you, you had your hmm. seat and you had your neighbors and then you had the person in front who was below you and then you had to be below for the person behind so it was quite a strange um topography it, you know it was in no way a natural topography you expect in central otago it was very much a a, a concocted sort of site but um yeah you know having designed and You know, within a year, all the other houses around us were underway, and then within another year, they're all finished. So, you know, the the subdivisions just are immense, uh, you know, with their speed. It's just Um, a boom town. It's just a boom town. It's extraordinary. So, you go there now, and it's a fully developed, fully built out suburb sort of two years later. So, So you know that was interesting, but I guess designing a house not knowing what your neighbours are doing, but you sort of kind of know what they're going to do because they're probably going to do what you're going to do, and that's face forward, um, and also take advantage of some of the views round to the uh, left hand side, the um, uh, Mount Roy vista, which is sort of down the left hand side of the of the view. So, Um, but we did, I guess what we did do, we didn't build orthogonally on the site because. The feeling was that the view was actually slightly to the right, so the plan of the house has the front portion actually rotated around to, I guess, centre our view on what was the main hill in the vista, sort of in the middle of the across lake. So the, the, yeah. the view across the lake. Yes, yes So yeah. we didn't just kind of get on the site and just point straight ahead, like probably 90% of the houses have done. We've actually. Um, skewed the house round to the mm. right to sort of centre up the view. So when you come in and look down the corridor, you've got this vista of the main sort of hill on the other side of the lake, rather than just a sort of general lake view. So we've tried to focus the view on, um, you know, on on what's there rather than just sort of stamping the
0: house on the site. Yeah. Um, so what did the owners? What were they? What were they looking for? What was their sort of driving idea? Yeah. I, I guess they had. Um,
1: Aspirations of a house that they could live in long term. It wasn't just a holiday home, and we're seeing more and more of that of our work in Queenstown and Wanaka. Is that people um, start off, you know, holidaying in an area, and then they progress to thinking, well, they like to spend spend more time there. This was all pre-COVID, so this was just you know normal uh, normal kind of stuff. They'd spend a lot of holidays there, then they decide that a holiday home would be good, and then they sort of spend more time there, and then they decide that actually they could. Uh, live here long term and so I guess building these houses uh, um, it's a, it's an area where the building costs are fairly high so the days of just building a cheap batch uh, are gone and uh, I guess the value of the sections is such that you know you know you're not going to put a, a cheap house on these sites because um, the cost of the site is such that uh, you know it warrants a, a a reasonable investment so by the time um, you sort of put everything into the equation you realize that that's a fairly expensive project so that you know they start to look at well th- this really needs to be a house that we could live in long term rather than just a the days gone by of a, a batch which was sort of a a shed-type building, um, although a lot of them do have a shed-like feel because people like that aesthetic, but generally they have ensuite bathrooms and, yeah. you know, garaging for the boat and the toys, and, um, yeah, in this case, um, I guess it's a, you know, proper four-bedroom family home because they do yeah. have children. And So, so you've sort um, of got,
0: that's an interesting mm, point, isn't it? So you've got this, maybe once we might have had this vague idea of, oh, we'll, we'll go and live... We'll go and live at the batch or we'll spend more time at the batch but actually the costs now are driving people to to make that decision much earlier in the design process because of the sheer amount of money it's going to cost them to get, the, right. thing, yep. get the thing yeah get that's fascinating yeah
1: and i think also these places in days gone by were probably remote and the prospect of living there was probably you know not great whereas now with the internet and all that type of stuff, people can run their business from there. They can talk to family and friends at will. They can be connected globally. So it's not like um, you're in a backwater anymore. You you know you can do just as much. For a lot of people, they can they can function perfectly well down there and live in a fantastic environment and um, skip the city hassles and, um, and and still continue. You know as a um, you know if, if your job allows that so um mm. that, that's sort of a, a sort of interim step that some people can take is you know maybe not living there permanently but maybe spending three or four months down there over summer and maybe working from home for two of those months have a month's yeah, so. holiday and spend a couple of months actually working there and if the kids are on school holidays they can um you know they can still be down there so there's a lot more i guess opportunity um for new zealanders to be occupying the whole country now rather than just um converging on the on the cities.
0: Mm. So there there's an interesting point there though because one of the delights i guess of of a holiday home or a batch is that that looseness and that difference to to maybe your city life. Yes. So okay. when you come to do something like this how do you walk that line between sort of home and away when you've got something that's going to be home rather than you know away a long term <laughs> yeah how, how do you feel like you're not just going to another side yeah, going from yeah and i guess that's the challenge
1: of building down uh in central otago is you'd hope that you'd produce a design that you wouldn't see in suburban christchurch mm. and unfortunately what we're seeing in a lot of the suburbs around central otago is you can drive uh, down you know these huge suburbs and it just feels like you're in a suburb of Christchurch or a suburb of Auckland so I guess as architects it's our challenge to try and create something that feels like it belongs in a mountain environment um, and in this case we've you know we've looked at having a building that's sort of tied down to the ground and can stand up to a, a fierce wind um, and it's sort of got a simplicity that you might see in a rural environment but it's not it's not an urban house it's not
0: something that we would build in you know central Christchurch that's so. So that so it comes down to. I mean, obviously, there's 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 some there's some practical stuff there around arrangement and, and bits and pieces. But in terms of materials, that's that's where the steel corrugate yes. and the timber and the kind of that sort of right. slightly raw feel to it. Correct. So even yeah, when it becomes yeah. home, yeah, it's it's it, got a a sort of a a, a different feel.
1: Yeah, I, I guess it's getting that sense of place, uh, which. Um, you know which we try to do when we're in the in the in an environment which is you know new and different for us um I mean the common response you see is you know the schist letterbox or the schist wall at the front door <laughs> and then you know you're in Wanaka, so we're trying to avoid that
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. no schist <laughs> that's right, no schist that's we do good. have a
1: few boulders though, so that was quite fun
0: mm. I like it. So, and, and, you know, you, you talked about the fact that, you know, the, the owners have got kids, you've got an extended family. Maybe you can sort of tell us a bit about how the house is arranged and, and how everyone sort of fits in and, and yes. the spaces and how that sort of works. Sure. Yeah. Well, the, um,
1: the idea was to have the living space, you know, uh, at the front of the site because that's where, where the views are. But we've arranged the... Um, the master bedroom and all the bedrooms well not all the bedrooms but three of the bedrooms around a courtyard which sits to the the west the um, the master bedroom I guess is the f- the feature room that looks out over the courtyard and then looks through the house to the view beyond so um, I guess just trying to give them you know give each of the rooms a, you know a reasonable outlook and a in a, a different feel so when you're in different parts of the house it, you, you know you're getting you're getting um, I guess different
0: aspects, and it's
1: not like everybody's just lined up in a row.
0: It's quite sculptural from the street. I'm it's sort of mm. it's quite striking with that sort of you know twisted roofline and that sort of stuff. It's um,
1: yeah, it's, yeah. I guess we were always very aware that you know because all these houses were single level, and because you sort of drive when you're driving along, you're looking down on these houses. So we felt that the roof, you know, was that classic fifth elevation. We wanted the roof to be as nice as the walls so the roof and the walls kind of converge uh with the same material and are sort of folded uh folded down to the ground so you know for the people behind looking down they're looking at an object rather than a kind of roof sitting over walls
0: and then the timber the softness comes in in the sort of cutaways and i guess the the, the bits where you're going to touch it exactly so it's got a softness to it uh, it sort of alludes
1: to the wood interior as well, to the, your main living room. That whole form has got a cedar ceiling, so I guess that's another one of these sort of things that's, um, I guess, alludes to that mountain environment having a, a more of a timber interior to the house. Although I do yeah. note that is quite popular in Auckland, so you could quite well be in Auckland with a timber ceiling. <laughs> you could <laughs> yeah, as well. You, you know, I mean, it's, could. Just a, it's, it's made a bit of a comeback, I guess, wooden interiors, so... Um, but they are, I mean... Yeah, Timber is one of those universal products that everybody likes, you know, a nice, you know, timber ceiling is, um, it, it sort of has that sense of warmth and kind of uh, containment and homeliness.
0: What are some of the other materials and, and how did you want it to feel when you're walking through? Um, the other material that we've used
1: is a uh, precast concrete, so in that spine, there's a wall that runs down the spine which is made of precast concrete and I guess another um, detail that we sort of wanted to tie it, um, you know, and give it that sense of place was that we've used a Wanaka aggregate out of one of the rivers down there, and that was mixed with the concrete. Then the panels were honed back, so it exposes the aggregate, so um, that was used on the fireplace, so you'll see the main fireplace, the main spine wall down the uh, entranceway, and also those panels go out to the street they take they go right out to the footpath there's these exposed um, or it's basically a honed panel with the wanaka aggregate in it so again quite a raw sort of finish but a really nice finish because the pebbles have a really nice um, you know really nice shades uh, um, from whites through to greys to a little bit of color as well so they're they're quite um, decorative uh, Mm. but Still has that kind of hard edge to it that it's a concrete panel. And it sort of ties in with the steel.
0: I think the other the other thing that that is sort of universal to Central Otago is, is that weather. Um, how did you how did you deal with that here? Yeah. You know, because you, you've got such extremes of, of right. heat and cold. Um, yep. And then you know, as anyone who's been to Wanaka in November knows, you've got this this right. this crazy wind.
1: Yeah. And in, in summer it gets up after lunch every day. So you pretty much get the morning where it's quite still and then come around lunchtime the wind will get up and you can get quite a strong northerly um, and that can that can go on for days so it's not it's not occasional that can be uh, over summer so we wanted an outdoor living area where you know you had protection from that wind you weren't um, I mean the normal sort of thing you see is you know you put up your big front window and then you pour your deck out the front Um, but in summer it's just either too windy or too hot I mean Central Otago is extreme. You know, has extreme weather. It's either freezing in winter or it's super hot in summer. So, having those spaces that you can retreat to are quite important. So, the way we organised the plan was, as I mentioned before, the bedrooms around the back, and then the front portion of the house coming right round in the courtyard. So, the courtyard's totally enclosed with, with the house uh, on three sides, and then there's a fireplace to the west. So. The idea is you can open from your living room out onto that space leave the doors open and enjoy the day enjoy the view but um but you're out of the wind
0: and you're still getting some air through air movement through yes. the house and, yeah, and right. there's some somewhere yep. to sit and yeah. you know, you yep. sit by the fire in winter and all that yeah, sort of that's stuff. right yeah yep, yep. so um <laughs>
1: yeah courtyard spaces are great for that type of you know when you're in that environment you just don't want to have a house which is a square in the middle of the site and you're left just occupying the space around the outside so um, so thinking that through was sort of, uh, I guess, one of the key moves in the plan was how could we create a space that was uh, contained.
0: Mm. You've got, you've got some, some big windows in the house. Um, to be specific, you've got Alther Metro Series Thermal Heart. Um, yes. it's, it's hot and cold and, you know, traditionally glass, um, again, wouldn't, wouldn't be, you know, the most performative, both when it's hot and it's cold. Um, how does yeah. that sort of work?
1: Uh, well, there's, there's two things there. One, one is, you know, glass technology over the last 20 years has just gone ahead, um, you know, in leaps and bounds. And the performance that you're getting out of double glazed units now is just far beyond what, you know, what we could have uh, imagined probably even 10 years ago now. So um, so the glass type is critical. So, you know, we want to have a level of shading, but we also want a high performance um, for insulation and the other uh, aspect to the, the the windows is just the ability now to have that thermal break in the aluminium um, i guess you know prior to thermally broken aluminium the, pr- the problem was that you'd get huge amounts of condensation mm. or huge amounts of um, thermal bridging through the aluminium because it's a great conductor but with thermally broken suites now you know that that problem's gone so with a really high performance double glaze unit um and a thermally broken suite you know it, 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 it's um you know you, you've got the ability now to really you know have have a lot more openness
0: nice and then i guess you know in summer if the wind isn't there you can open that whole front up can't you have got right. sort of some pretty yeah. big sliders that That's just sort right. of just yeah. make it completely porous
1: yeah there's a whole series of them so you know there's one that comes off the kitchen that goes out to the barbecue area there's one that comes off the dining one that comes off the living so you can pretty much open about 50 percent of the wall so you know and there are days down there where it's still and um, you know a beautiful day and you can just enjoy the house being totally open mm. we've also included a couple of high windows uh, which are on actuators, uh, which allow them to, you know, even when it is windy, they can still have some higher windows open and have a little bit of air through the house. Or if you're not there, you know, you might, you might not be there for a, a period of time, you can actually leave some of these higher windows open and just let the house breathe rather than mm. sealing it up. Still having a, having a bit of fresh air through the house is still part of our Kiwi DNA, you know, not to live in a sealed box.
0: Mm. What's what's the house? I mean, what's it like in winter? We've talked a lot about the wind and the heat in the summer. What, what how does it sort of transition into into a winter house? Uh,
1: well, I guess a, a key thing there is the high levels of insulation. Like we typically with these houses, we'd put in at least double what the code requires. Um, we've got the high you know, performance windows uh, and then we generally um, I mean, it's centrally heated, it's got a hot water reticulation system in the slab so hot water is reticulated um, in the slab to get the house to a you know a comfortable level but we've also got a gas fire there and I guess that's a, a sort of classic thing people like not only to feel the heat but they like to see it so mm. um, in this case it's a double-sided gas fire so you can sit in the living room or you can sit in the lounge and sit around the gas fire so people enjoy that down there and it's when you've got the time to do it as well in winter and it's a cold day, and you can sit inside and um, you know sit around the fire. So there's
0: that there's that aspect of you know a, a coziness to the room. What are you? What were you most nervous about with this house? Um, I guess we were most nervous about the quality of the
1: build and I guess the execution of some of the details because you know nothing square and plan. It's a trapezoidal plan, and then the roof cuts across it on an angle. So basically no section is the same in the building. So I guess we are most nervous about um, sort of the interaction of the forms and, and those details. So, I mean, the challenge is you detail one thing, but you know, you move along a meter and that condition's changed ever so slightly. So to give you an example, there's a series of steel frames that run through the front of the house. And of course one starts off with the high point at the front and then the very end one has the high point at the back, but all the middle ones have a cranked um, kind of form, which uh, each one is different, but then, you know, you line them all up and then you hope that the ridge is a straight line between them. So the challenge was really around the geometry. So I guess with, with uh, Revit and such, you know, programs that we use at the moment, you've got the technical ability to draw these things, but then it's another thing, you know, to translate that onto site. So you hope that the, you know, the steel worker has made the steel frames to, you know, exactly the right um, uh, dimensions, and there's just no room for error. So uh, I guess that's the challenge. And so you really need a builder who's on top of that type of thing and who's who's watching it because you're you know you're not there daily. We we typically are there once every two weeks or once every month. Um, depending on the stage of the project, so I guess that's, um, yeah, that was the challenge, but, you know, we had an excellent builder, uh, Tony Quirk, down in Wanaka, and he, um, you know, he was all over the potential uh, things that, you know, that could go wrong, and, you know, we took steps to mitigate them, so we would not only sort of give drawings, but then they'd physically check things on site and run string lines and, I remember we'd go down there and, you know, you'd have a few options on things. You know, do we run this roof line here or there? Because if we do this, then the ridge is going to move over by, you know, 20 mils or something. So there was there was just a constant dialogue with the builder over how these things were to be executed. So you end up with a house that looks quite simple and looks quite clean and straightforward, but that's often the hardest, um, you know, the hardest thing to achieve.
0: Mm. Mm. What are you, I guess, conversely, what, what are you most proud of with it when you look at it now? Well, probably most proud of the, uh, I guess, the exterior form, how it's just
1: got a, a simplicity to it, you know, just the, you know, that simple idea of folding the roof and the walls together, but just with some details that um, really highlight that continuity, like allowing the ribs of the roof to wrap around um, down the fascia, there's no sort of horizontal flashings, everything's made to to fold around, then that even comes back in and meets up with the windows under the fascia. So I guess, you know, in our practice, there's a focus on detailing and, you know, producing um, details that sort of enhance the architecture. Mm. But of course you need the clients on board to do this type of thing. They, they need to come along for the ride as well. So getting them engaged in it and enthusiastic about it as part of the, <laughs> part of the fun but you know uh, having great clients is the you know is essential when you', you when you're doing a house like this or all people who are really um, you know enthusiastic about what's happening and, and, and a part of it and of course they've got to pay the bills and they've got to live in it at the end of the day so they've got to be definitely on board.
0: That's fabulous Chris thank you thank you for joining us. Thanks Simon pleasure to talk that was Chris Wilson of Wilson and Hill talking about a sculptural house he designed in Wanaka with striking views of the mountains. Thanks for joining here in Altham as we explore these great New Zealand houses and chat with the architects who brought them to life. We'll see you next time.